Uh, by the way, just a side note tonight, uh, got called in by Michael Fanstone, so I'll be on Premier Radio tonight if you want to listen in from uh, uh, 10 o'clock till midnight. Uh, it's an easy way to go to sleep if you have insomnia. Uh, you can just dial in there and uh, uh, we'll, get you, we'll get you right to sleep uh, very quickly. I'm going to be talking about uh, uh, with working with people who are having troubles with their leader uh, or the, one of their leaders, and so all of you can call in and give me harassing questions and things like that if you want to. Uh, it's no problem there. So anyway, <laughs> what's that? That's live, yeah, live from 10 to midnight, 10 to midnight tonight. So uh, anyhow, uh, just, a, just out, of, out of curiosity here, uh, how many of you have ever heard a sermon preached from something in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Just uh, taking a survey here, just lift your hand up. If you've ever heard anybody preach from 1 Corinthians 12 at any point in time, now some of you who've been long-term members of City Temple should be raising your hands or you haven't listened to my multiple sermons. Okay, how many of you have heard more than five sermons from Romans chapter 12? Just taking a survey. Okay, several of you. Okay, how many more than 10? How many have heard it so many times you can't even count? Yeah, okay, I just, that's kind of what I thought. Okay, interesting. Uh, anyway, I'm going to preach, starting with, uh, I'm going to read starting with verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Uh, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, 
which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. May God bless to us this reading from His Holy Word. Now, the body of Christ is one of the most powerful images that God has given us in the Bible. Now, we looked last week at the bride of Christ, and we mentioned how we all become the bride of Christ when we come into union with Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're united with Christ, Christ is united with us, and we become collectively the one bride of Jesus Christ. Uh, and that is a vibrant reality in our lives, as we saw last week. It is true for us, and it's true for us all together, not individually. All together we are the bride of Christ. And Paul said something very profound in Ephesians chapter 5 when he talked about how the two shall become one flesh. And he said that applies to Christ and the church. So that when we come into Christ, we come into the church and we become one flesh with Jesus, we become the bride of Christ. Betrothed to Christ and looking for the day, one day that will come when we will have the wedding feast of Jesus. Oh, thank you. Jesus is right. Amen. In the same way, the Bible talks about us as being the body of Christ. Now, our temptation with this is simply to reduce it to the idea of a metaphor, a metaphor that says, oh, this applies to one thing, and this is a way to understand it, but there's no true correlation between the two. And there's some truth in that, but there is a danger of us reducing what the Bible says about the body of Christ simply to a metaphor. We really are, in a very real sense, the body of Christ. I used to react a little bit. I've heard many people say, you know, he has no hands but ours, he has no feet but ours. And I used to say, oh, that's not true, uh, that's not right. Uh, but actually, it is true. We are the hands of Jesus. We are the feet of Jesus. Uh, we are the body of Christ together. Uh, and that is a reality for us. And most of the time when we look at this reality, when we talk uh, about this reality, we're talking about it in the context of an individual church. And when Paul is writing here in 1 Corinthians, in Corinth there was only one church. And that was this church that Paul was writing to. Uh, in fact, for a long time, the church in Corinth really struggled. It had a lot of problems. But he's writing to one church, and so it makes sense that Paul is writing to an individual church about how they, as an individual church, are the body of Christ. But today, instead of going down that path, 
I really felt like the Lord was leading me to talk about how the church across the city or across a region or across a nation or even across the world is the body of Christ. You see, this reality applies not only to us individually within the context of a local church, this reality applies to us globally. This reality applies to us across London. Across London, and, let's, and for the purposes of today, I'm going to focus on cities, but you could focus on your neighborhood, uh, you could focus on a region, and, and today I'm just going to focus on London and thinking about London, thinking about cities. If you look across London, how many bodies of Christ exist in London? One. Jesus doesn't have a billion bodies. Jesus doesn't have a million bodies. Jesus doesn't have a thousand bodies. Jesus doesn't have two bodies. Jesus has one body. There is one body of Christ. And we need to recognize that there is one body of Christ and apply this reality across cities and across nations, across regions, and if we start to think about this, if we start to apply the one body of Christ uh, uh, idea, reality, to the church, say, in London, to the church in this city, one of the things happens that happens, it helps us to avoid a lot of the, the problems that churches face. I mean, think of consumerism. You know, this idea, I'm going to go from church to church to find the church that's going to please me, to find the church that's going to make me happy. When you start to realize, well, there's only one body of Christ in London. And so when you go and you have that attitude, you're not being consumeristic, you're being selfish and self-centered. And if you start to see that there's one body of Christ and then start to ask yourself, where do I fit in that one body of Christ, in which local church that is part of that one body of Christ, that represents that one body of Christ, does God want me? It changes our mentality. Or what about competition? I remember David Engel a number, uh, a couple of years ago, he, he came to me, uh, we had lunch together, he and I are good friends, he's down at Holy Sepulchre, uh, and uh, we're good friends, we had lunch, and they were about to start a prayer room down there different kind of prayer room than what we're doing, but he, he wanted to have lunch, and he, he just said, Rod, you know, I, I just wanted to talk to you about this because I don't want you to feel like we're in competition with each other. And I said, David, when 90% of the people in London are Christians, then we can talk about competition. Until that happens, we're not in competition because there's one body. So if his church grows and we decrease, Praise God that he's growing. Not that I want to decrease. I'm not, you know, you get, you get my thing, you know. But if God chooses to close us and send us all someplace else, that's God's choice. We're one body. And that would not diminish any of us. Or think about arrogance, you know, how some churches say, well, you know, we're more important because we've got a thousand people, you know. Uh, well, we're not very important because we have ten people. Do you hear how ridiculous that is? Do you realize that a building has not been invented that could hold the one body of Christ in London? Think about that. You know, even if you look at, well, let's say, 
one of the big churches in London, saying that maybe they're drawing 5,000 people a week. And we said, wow, you know, 5,000 people. That's a lot of people. Do you know that that's just a fraction of a percent of the 10 million that are in London? 5,000 people is nothing, and it's going to take a lot more than 5,000 people to win London to Jesus. We need to start changing our attitude and seeing this reality. Or think about mission. So many churches think about mission as what we do as a church. But actually, mission is what God has us doing as the one body of Christ in our city. That means we don't do everything. No church does everything. Every church has a role in mission. And if we start looking at this and seeing this reality, we can avoid this. Now, of course, when you start talking about this, a number of challenges come up. I mean, one, people will say, well, there's such diversity in the churches. And that's really difficult for people to get their, their heads around sometimes. There's the diversity of styles, a diversity of worship, uh, a diversity of preaching, uh, sometimes a, a diversity within theology and, and, and certain beliefs and things. And we say, well, that can't be then one body of Christ because of such diversity. Uh, that's just like saying, you know, because the cells in your body are diverse, you know, my brain cells are not really like uh, my, uh, my digestive system cells, that somehow, you know, my body is not one. I mean, it's ridiculous. We see that. Uh, but we also have to recognize that not all individual organizations that are called churches are true churches of Jesus Christ. Uh, some churches are churches in name only. They have such a weak conception of who Jesus is. They never talk about Jesus. They always talk about God in some ethereal sense. Or sometimes they hardly mention the name of God except in their music. And they're much more like ethical societies or humanistic societies or Unitarian societies than the true church of Jesus Christ. So not every church that calls itself a church is a church. Just like not every person that would call themselves my wife is married to me. There's only one married to me, uh, you know, and it doesn't make you a church. It, it just any more than if you walked into McDonald's, it doesn't make you a hamburger. Doesn't even mean you like hamburgers. I happen to know vegetarians that go to McDonald's. I think they're a little crazy sometimes, but, they, you know, that happens. Like. And the other challenge to this that we really have to deal with is our tendency to judge or try to correct others. If we're one body of Christ, the head, that is Jesus, has more than enough ability to control his body. And we need to have confidence in Jesus' ability to lead us, and we need to have confidence in the Holy Spirit's ability to convict people with regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment, and get off our high horse and focus on the part of the body of Christ that we are and how we can bless other parts of the body of Christ because we're one part, we're one body of Christ. And when we start to think about this, this passage tells us some incredibly profound things. It, it suggests some important things to us. First of all, we'll look at verses 4 to 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Skipping to verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit 
who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And when we start looking at this across the body of Christ and looking at individual churches that are part of the one body of Christ, we start to understand each church has its own gift mix. Some churches really major on teaching, some major on evangelism, some are very prophetic, some are very social justice oriented. We, we have our own spiritual gifts and every church has its own way of serving Jesus. The way we serve Jesus here at City Temple is not the way that Holy Sepulcher will serve Jesus. It's not the way that Hillsong will serve Jesus. We all serve Jesus in a slightly different way. Each individual church has its own God-ordained activities, things that God has said, this is what I want you to do, and has uh, ways that God works through them in power. This is true for all churches that are two churches of Jesus Christ. The important thing to remember, it's the same God doing all of this stuff. It's the same God, and the Holy Spirit is the one who apportions this diversity out of his sovereignty. There's no other church like City Temple. No other church in London. No other church with our history. No other church with our calling. No other church that has the mission that God has given us. And it's not us that has chosen what our mission is. It's not us that chooses our gifts. It's not us that chooses how we serve. It's not us that chooses the activities we do or how God empowers us. It's God that does it by his Holy Spirit who does it sovereignly and God does it for the good of our city. He does it for the common good of our city. God intends the churches to be different because the different people in our church need to be reached, different people in our city need to be reached in different ways. We have different areas, we have different influences, we have different things that are going on, but God has set us in place together in the city as one body of Christ to accomplish His kingdom coming and His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And we need to realize this and embrace this reality. And then we can look at the next couple of verses, verses 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So here's Paul affirming, in a sense, what we're already saying, that is the one body of Christ has many members or the one body of Christ has many churches. And even though there are many churches, there is one body of Christ. And we were all baptized into the one body. When you become a Christian, you are automatically part of the body of Christ. A Christian who is not in the body of Christ is not a Christian. If you are a Christian, you are part of the body of Christ and you have the responsibility to associate with other parts of the body of Christ. In the same way, if you're a Christian church, you're not a Christian church alone, the body of Christ. You're part of a larger body of Christ. You are connected. We were all baptized into this one body. It doesn't matter what church you're part of, you're part of the one body. In addition... We were all filled with the same Spirit. 
The Spirit of Christ lives inside of us. The Spirit of Christ, one Spirit makes us one. We are in Christ, Christ is in us. This is our defining reality as the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ because the Spirit of Christ is in us. And the Spirit of Christ is in you individually, but it's also in us corporately. And the Spirit of Christ in you individually unites us with one another corporately. This is our reality. And then we go on to verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You know, one of the things, one of the great problems of churches and Christians uh, in any city, and you can put any city of the world, including London, is that we tend to judge other churches from the standpoint of our own church. Now, so if we're like an eye, we think every church should be an eye. If we're a hand, we think every church should be a hand. You know, I, I've seen some churches that are really gifted at evangelism, and they assume that every church should be equally gifted in evangelism, and if they're not, then somehow they're failures. I've seen other, other churches have the attitude they're really gifted in reaching out to their communities in practical ways, doing things like uh, home groups and stuff in their communities that are, that are really touching lives, and then they assume that, okay, every two church of Jesus needs to be a hand like we are. And Paul says this is ludicrous. It is a fallacy, but it's a fallacy Christians fall into all of the time. We look at other churches and we evaluate them by our church, sometimes negatively and sometimes positively. And it's one of the reasons people end up going to other churches. They'll leave one church because they'll look at another church and say, oh, that church is so much better. I really wish I was an I. I'd really love to be a part of an I. That, that sounds really good. That, it's so much better because, you know, if you're an I rather than a foot, you know, you're, you're higher up, right, in the body. So you must be more important, Right? And so I really wish I could go to an eye church. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go to an eye church. And, and it's ridiculous and it's sinful to have this attitude. We cannot say that other churches are not important. I know some churches, I know some large churches that have the attitude of, well, you know, we're, we're really the church. And what we're doing is really the thing. And so everybody else should do church like we do church. Uh, and if you do church like we do church, then you're doing it the right way. And if you do church like somebody else does church, well, you know, you, you just need to see the light, read the Bible, get to Jesus and come do church like we do church. And I, I've seen this attitude all the time. I remember talking with a pastor and, and, uh, and he was feeling so defeated because he had about, you know, 15 people or so in his church. I'm like, why are you feeling defeated? 
It's not about the size of your church. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about how big your building is. It's not about you know, how influential your pastor seems to be or how much YouTube time you do uh, or how much you're on you know, Instagram or any of these things. This is not what determines our importance in the body. If I take off my glasses, my eyes are no less important. And many of the things that we evaluate other people are a bit like the glasses that we wear. If I take off my suit jacket, it doesn't diminish me as a preacher. Now, if I took off all my clothes, we we're not even going to go there, but that, you know, that would be a problem. That would be a problem. We cannot say other churches are not important because they're not like us. They're not doing things the way we do it. They're not seeing things the way we see it. We need to understand, according to this passage, according to what Paul essentially is saying here, is that each church has a specialization that becomes essential for the functioning of the body of Christ across the city for the gospel. I know churches that are really great at drawing people to Jesus, but you know what they're not doing? They're not making disciples. But they want to collect as many people as they can. Why is it that we're not thinking, hey, I'm collecting people, but I need to find churches in communities that are making disciples effectively and take some of these children in Christ that we've just brought into the world and make sure that they get into a church where they can be effectively discipled. But we don't think that way. We don't think that way because we think, oh, well, we'll get less money, you know, we'll be smaller, we'll be weaker, I won't have the bragging rights as the largest church in town, you know, whatever it is. You know, but these attitudes are wrong-headed attitudes, whether you apply it to yourself individually or you apply it to a church corporately. All of the churches, the diversity that God has created are absolutely essential for the functioning of the body of Christ in the city. If we don't have the diversity of churches that we have, the body of Christ will not effectively reach the city for the gospel. We need this diversity. We need to encourage the diversity. We need to recognize the diversity as it's led by the Spirit of God and support one another in it. And we have to remember that God has sovereignly arranged the churches in the city as God has chosen. God puts us where we are. God has sovereignly placed City Temple right where we are. You might think, why? Well, there's Crossrail now. But there wasn't Crossrail 100 years ago. Oberon Viaduct was brand new. Why would God do that? Well, maybe he knew that Crossrail was coming. Maybe he knew that we were sitting in the midst of the cross of the city. It's God's sovereignty where he places us. It's God's sovereignty, the people he calls to be with us. It's God sovereignly moving in our lives, in our hearts, in our church, uh, aligning us and placing us where he wants us to be. It's one of the reasons why I don't like it when people leave, obviously. Well, most people. I wouldn't like it if any of you left. But uh, I don't like it when people leave church. But I understand that sometimes God says, now it's time for you to go to this place. And we want to bless that when that happens when God's doing that, because it strengthens the church in the city. 
Now, part of our mission, our heart here at City Temple, has always been to strengthen other churches. Sometimes we have given ourselves away to our hurt for the benefit of others. And we do that frequently, and we do that joyfully, because we understand we're part of one body, and we've been sovereignly arranged to be in this place at this time. Then verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. One of the greatest sins in the body of Christ in London and in any other city is evaluating churches based on things that are simply cultural issues. Worldly cultural issues. We like to evaluate a church based on its size, based on its budget, based on its style of worship, based on its building, based on the style of preaching, rather than recognizing how churches fit into God's strategy. Every true church of Jesus Christ in the city of London has a purpose in the strategy of God for reaching London for the gospel. Every single one, city and temple included. We are part of God's strategy. Now the problem is, most of the time, we have no idea what that strategy is. We don't. I have some sense of what God's strategy for city temple is, uh, but God often desires to surprise me with new revelations, new insights. I certainly don't know what God's strategy is for Holy Sepulchre. I don't know what God's strategy is for a lot of the other churches because God hasn't chosen to reveal that to me, and most of the time he won't. So I have to trust that each church will fit in a special way into the strategy of God for reaching the city. And it's a sin if I start to evaluate the effectiveness of my church or any other church based on the things like the number of people who are coming, the size of the budget, and all these other factors. They actually are immaterial to the impact that a church is having. I remember years ago, one of the things that a guy named Hugh Osgood, Hugh is one of the fathers of the faith in, of the last generation here in, in London, uh, he told me years ago, he said, you know, Rod, I've been around City Temple for, at that time, two and a half decades. He's been familiar with the ministry. And he said, City Temple always punches above its weight. In other words, the influence of this church has always been greater than the size of the church. I don't know why God chooses to do that. I'm glad that he does. But we can't focus on some of these outward things. And we have to beware of disregarding other churches as unimportant or ineffective as compared to others. Uh, in other words, we cannot say, I have no need of you. A lot of churches do. 
There are a lot of larger churches that would say, well, you know, we're really successful. We've grown. It's clear that we have the key for reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have no need of the smaller churches. In fact, the smaller churches, they'd be better off. They're wasting their money on their buildings and their, their ministry and their local communities. They'd be better off closing and just sending everybody to us because everybody knows this is, we know we've got it together. And that's wrong. That's sinful. We cannot say, I have no need of you. I mean, I could say I have no need of my big toe and ask some of you to cut it off, but that would be foolish because people who have lost their big toe will all tell you that it's much harder to walk if you don't have a big toe. There's little bits of us that we think are not very important that, you know, maybe we could live without it, but it's not going to be comfortable living without it. You know, you could live without a foot, but does anybody want to volunteer for that? I see no volunteers, so I'll, I'll take, it, take it as read. And yet, why is it that we approach churches that way? We say, oh, well, we don't really need some of these other churches. We can live without them. No, we can't. We cannot say, I have no need of you. In fact, the churches that often seem to be weak are the ones that are indispensable. The churches that are small churches, they're house churches, maybe a cafe church. They don't seem like they're doing much. They seem kind of small. They seem kind of inconsequential. But they actually can be indispensable. I remember a few years ago, I was meeting with a, a group of young people who were really on fire for the Lord. Uh, all of them were in their 20s and 30s. And I asked them a question. I said, what was your most influential time experience you know, time, influential experience, season in a church. Every single one of them answered a small church experience. Every single one of them, even though most of them were going to a church of more than a thousand people, every, every person said that it was in a church of fewer than 200 that they had their most transformative experiences as Christians. Isn't that fascinating? One of the great sadness I just learned this last week that uh, the church I grew up in uh, is going to close next, next month. And, uh, and although it's sad, I, I kind of saw it coming. Uh, that's another sermon, another story. Uh, but, you know, people would look at that and say, well, it failed. And yet I'm a product of that. That's where I came to Christ. Those were the people that encouraged me to go into the ministry. Without them, I may not. I might have done something where I could make some money. Something like that. Churches are not indispensable. And that attitude, how we evaluate, how we, how we judge those. The churches that seem to be weak are completely indispensable. And then there are some churches that do things that seem to be less honorable. You know, typically in the kingdom of God, the honorable things that churches do tend to fall into two categories, either evangelism or some kind of social justice outreach. So uh, it's, it's across the world. The churches that seem to get a lot of respect are the ones who evangelize very well so that lots of people start coming to the church. Or churches that are really engaging in their community, maybe ministering to the homeless or doing some things like that. 
But we look so often at the things like prayer. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times someone says to me, well, you know, we're wasting our time praying. What we need to do is get out on the streets. They don't see it. They don't see it. Uh, or, you know, there's some churches that serve as a community hub. I mean, the, the way they function, they've got people all over their community coming in, using the building, uh, being influenced for the kingdom, and, and people say, well, you know, that church is just a social club. Just a social club. It's, it's not really honorable. Uh, you know, some churches do things like, you know, maybe a drop-in center for the elderly, a lunch club for, for mothers, uh, single mothers, and people say, well, you know, what they need, really need to be doing is making disciples. You know, that's, that's the real work of the church. Or some churches just have a strong local witness. They're reaching people in their surrounding neighborhood. And people say, well, you know, what you really need to be doing is you need to be engaged in international missions. And we don't realize that these things that we think are less honorable actually deserve greater honor because they're really important. The problem is we see them all the time in isolation from the larger body of Christ. We need to learn this. In the end of the day, you know, those things that, you know, seem to be unpresentable, Paul says we treat with greater modesty. Now, we need to have that attitude with churches too. There's a lot of churches that you know, they, they seem to be small, they seem to be ugly, they seem to be ineffective, kind of like my feet. Well, my feet aren't small. Uh, I, I've never been a foot guy. You know, I, 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 you know, I know where feet have been. You know, so it's not a big thing for me. Uh, I know a lot of people who are, are feet people. You know, they like, like feet stuff. But you know, one thing I know about just about everybody here, we all tend to spend a lot of money for shoes, if we have it. I mean, the shoes that I'm wearing right now, even though they weren't very expensive, cost more than the rest of my clothes on my body combined. That's my shoes right now. And again, they were, they were kind of cheap and cheerful, but the rest was even cheaper and cheerfuler. <laughs> Why is that? Because it's, it's an unpresentable part of my body for me, yet I'm investing more in that unpresentable part. We need to have an attitude where we're going to invest more in these parts that seem to be unpresentable, that seem to be unworthy, that seem to be undeserving. That's what Paul says. And the purpose of this, the purpose of this is so that there would be no division in the body. Across the city, we need to have no division in that which is the true body of Jesus Christ. This means in part that the stronger churches should help the weaker churches. One of our passions, as I mentioned, has always been to help build up other churches and build up other ministries. We want to give ourselves away for others because we're not the only thing going on. There we're one part of the body that is functioning all across London for the glory of God and Jesus Christ. And we also need to start learning as churches to have the same concern for each other with every church working for the good of every other church. Instead of rejoicing when a church declines or collapses or has problems, we need to work for the good of every church, to build up every church, to see the kingdom of God go forth in Jesus Christ glorified. Verse 27, we're about to the end. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. 
And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer is no, but earnestly desire the higher, higher gifts. We need to understand then across this city, across the one body of Christ, God has appointed ministers, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. He's appointed them all across the city. He's uh, raised up ministries all across the city. We don't own any of these. We share these together as the body of Christ. And as an individual part of the body of Christ, we need to seek those higher gifts that are going to build up others, that are going to strengthen others, that are going to cause the church to increase all across our region. And finally, Paul says, I will show you still a still more excellent way. The excellent way that we need to function, the thing that we need to learn, whether it's us together as the local body of Christ or us as part of the citywide body of Christ, is to love. We need to learn to love one another as Jesus loved us. We need to learn to love other churches as Jesus loves ours. We need to choose the love of Jesus and to share the love of Jesus and together to show the love of Jesus to our city. London will never be reached by one church doing its own thing. London will only be reached when we, as the one body of Christ in London, decide to bless one another, love one another, work together with one another, in whatever way God tells us to see his kingdom come and his will be done. And our Lord Jesus Christ deserves nothing less. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we thank you that we are part of the one body of Christ. Thank you for what you've done in our midst. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us together. Father, open our eyes to see the one body of Christ all across London. Open our eyes to see what you are doing in other churches. And Lord, we pray that those churches that are churches in name only, the churches that are not glorifying Jesus, that you would bring them to an end. Not that we would bring them to an end, but that you would bring them to an end, just as you determined. But for the churches that are after Jesus, the churches that are true parts of the body of Christ, I pray, Lord God, that you give us a greater awareness of one another and how you have appointed us to be in the places we are, not only individually, but also corporately as a church. Help us to see how we individually and corporately fit in with your strategy for reaching London with the gospel. We love you and we honor you and we thank you. Thank you for letting us together be part of this one great body of Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.